Well, good uh, mid-morning to each of you. I'm uh, with you today, as uh, some of you know, from my home and Sendo <coughs> here in San Antonio, uh, where I live with my husband, Lucas. I'm a new grandma, and that's good news in this part of my world. I'm also a lay teacher uh, in the White Plum lineage and uh, sit and teach uh, Zen practitioners in our Living Water Zen community. And I also sit with practitioners in Morning Star Zendo, which is my uh, root Zanga. I want to again thank uh, Sensei Colin Gibson, uh, our guiding teacher at the San Antonio Zen Center, for his invitation um, to lead this session. Some of you may know of Gabriel Garcia Marquez. He is a Colombian Nobel, was a Colombian Nobel Prize winning author of 100 Years of Solitude. He also wrote a book titled Life in the Time of Cholera. And so now, of course, that book is constantly referenced as writers and speakers and others refer to life in the time of pandemic or life in the time of COVID. During his speech at the 1982 Nobel Prize ceremony, Garcia Marquez said in Spanish, to oppression, we respond with life. Life, he would say often, will not be told what to do. From a Zen perspective, this is a fact. Life occurs moment by moment, and it will not be told what to do. Life is to be lived in the here and the now, moment by moment by moment. In this way also, life is, of course, unknowable. But have you noticed that many of us spend our life waiting for something to happen? Or for something to know that will finally make things okay? Something that will finally make the world okay? Something to know or to do that will finally fix us or fix others. Something that will turn us into who we really want to be or think we should be. Or we waste our lives waiting to be turned into who we know we could be if we were like another person, if we were smarter or more beautiful or healthier or wealthier or more enlightened, or more educated, or wiser, or more compassionate, more something. In a word, we sometimes think that life will wait for us until we are perfect, or until we know something, or until we know how the future will turn out. Will I have a recurrence of cancer? 
Will my marriage last? Does she really love me? Am I a good teacher? You can't do it that way. You have to do it this way. My way or no way. I have experience, you don't. This is good. That is bad. On and on and on we go. One of Thomas Merton's intuitions about our false selves is that we wear ourselves out by wanting to project a perfect self. It is tiring, isn't it? We are never quite perfect or good enough. We try to imitate others, repeat what they have said, think that we know, have assessments and answers to everything. About that, Master Unman would tell us, you have missed it. You have missed it. While imitating others or thinking we have all the answers, we miss our lives. There is another path. Become who you already are. Layman Pang Yun lived in 8th century China, and he was a Zen reformer who was dedicated to lay Zen for both men and women outside of the Chinese religious establishment of that time. This is the 8th century. He refused to become a monk and instead traveled with his Dharma companion, his daughter Ling Xiao, to teach his everyday Zen style through poems and stories rather than sermons. This is Layman Pang's advice to seekers of perfection. The past is already past. Don't try to regain it. The present does not stay. Don't try to touch it from moment to moment. The future is not come. Don't think about it beforehand. Whatsoever comes to the eye, leave it be. There are no commandments to be kept. There is no filth to be cleansed. With empty mind, really penetrated, the dharmas have no life. When you can be like this, you've completed the ultimate attainment. Pang Yun is one of eight teachers, by the way, who are featured in a wonderful book called Zen Radicals, Rebels, and Reformers. The eight teachers are described as masters who show us through their audacious actions and fearlessly lancing words that the pursuit of spiritual awakening must ultimately be a rebellion against the very foundation of suffering in the world. The book is excellent, and the epilogue and very honest discussion about where Zen is and might be going in the West. By the way, I believe that to the realities of suffering, including old age, illness, and death, that drove the Buddha to his spiritual journey, today we must add another source of suffering. Injustice that comes from racism, and inequality. 
Master Gulin, who lived in turbulent times of war and death and militarism in 13th century China, called his disciples to uncontrived action, action that springs from enlightened wisdom and compassion, action that is not motivated by selfish contradictions and actions that is not guided by dualistic perceptions of self and other. Master Dogen tells us, don't follow the advice of others. Rather, learn to listen to the voice within yourself. Your body and mind will become one, and you will realize the unity of things. Is this so? No one can tell you if and how this is so. Be a lamp to yourself, said the Buddha. Careful Zen practice deepens our own vision and helps us to see beyond ourselves. We sit as embodied beings with an already awakened body. Our bodies know how to live the truth of permanence and impermanence. Our body knows perfectly how things change moment by moment as the breath arises and passes away. And our bodies know how to live and how to die. For your consideration today, I'd like to turn to case 20 of the Book of Serenity, which offers us a phrase, a vow, and a koan. First, the phrase. The phrase, and it's used by many Zen teachers as the heart of their teaching, is not knowing is most intimate. There is a way in which the phrase can be said to represent one of the fundamentals of Zen. Intimacy in Zen, by the way, is sometimes a stand-in word for enlightenment. Not knowing is most enlightened. I remember being awestruck one day many years ago when I heard Kennedy Roshi, my teacher, say that Zen had allowed him to be intimate with Christ instead of in a relationship with Christ. Relationship is two. Intimacy is not two. Now the vow. Case 20 of the Book of Serenity also offers us a vow. The first vow of Bernie Glassman's Zen Peacemaker Order is not knowing. The second vow is bearing witness. And the third vow, acting that comes from not knowing and bearing witness. So Zen Peacemakers begin with not knowing. And then the koan, case 20 of the Book of Serenity. Master Disong asked Fayan, where are you going? Fayan said, around on pilgrimage. Daisang said, what is the purpose of your pilgrimage? Fayan said, I don't know. Daisang said, not knowing is most intimate. 
What's the purpose of your pilgrimage? What is the purpose of your life? In other words, I don't know, says Fayan. Not knowing is most intimate, says the Zen master. But what does that mean? What is not knowing? Not knowing is certainly not the opposite of knowing. Yamada Roshi in his Teisho on case 19 of the gateless gate, ordinary mind is the way, reminds us that knowing is a delusion. And not knowing is a blank consciousness. And tells us, and I quote, not knowing means total ignorance and stupidity, which of course has nothing to do with Zen or enlightenment. So Dai Sang's not knowing is not ignorance or stupidity. It is not the opposite of knowing. Rather, it is beyond knowing and beyond not knowing. This breath I am breathing has not been breathed before. This moment, the situation I'm facing, I've never seen before. If I think I know it and rest in that knowing, then my vision is limited. I limit myself. I limit others. It seems to me that real not knowing can be more accurately called non-knowing. We live in times in which knowledge and facts and science are discarded. And so I think it is important to find another way to think about this very important Zen teaching. Norman Fisher, in his book, Zen Teachings on the Practice of Lojong, describes not knowing as resting in the openness of mind. Isn't that wonderful? You and I can rest in the openness of mind. You and I don't have to know everything all the time. Isn't that a relief? It is for me. We can just breathe and be alive and rest and let our body and our open mind just be. I think that's really cool. Our own presence can be our refuge. right inside us. I offer this phrase to you, non-knowing, as something you might want to keep chewing on, keep looking at. What is the purpose of pilgrimage? What is the purpose of life? Non-knowing is most intimate. Rest in the openness of mind. I like the poet Mary Oliver's question. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? 